The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, in Mississippi, people of color make up 44% of the population, but make up 81% of women receiving abortions. In Texas, they're 59% of the population and 74% of those receiving abortions. In Alabama, 35% of the population is people of color, yet they are 69% of those receiving abortion services. In Louisiana, there is a 42% black population, but this segment makes up 72% of those receiving abortions. Numbers like these further substantiate 2019 data released from the CDC, reporting that not only are abortions more common among Black Americans, but the abortion rates for Black women are also at numbers almost five times those of white women. As reported by Politico, quote, the Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision, according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito. The draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and a subsequent 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, that largely maintained the right, end quote. Alito wrote, quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, end quote. To discuss this further, we have today's guest, Meredith Matthews, Planned Parenthood South Atlantic's community organizer and chairperson for Low Country Sexual Assault Response Team in Charleston, South Carolina. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome to the show, Ms. Matthews. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's just such a pleasure. Of course, of course. Can you share a bit with us about your background and how you've been led to your role at Planned Parenthood? Ooh, how much time do you have? All the time you need. (laughs) <laughs> so um, originally I am from um, rural uh, South Carolina, about an hour outside of Charleston. Um, I, you know, I left and went to school and everything, but I came back when I, when I was 19, whenever I had my son. Um, and so 
Technically, I, yes, I am a, a teen mother, um, but I, I feel as if I have always, um, I grew up in a very progressive or um, open-minded family, and I, I definitely think that informed me, but my life experiences as a Black woman, as a Gullah Geechee woman um, living in the South, definitely contributes um, to the work that I am doing today, because choice is, is such an um it, it it is very fickle in the South, unfortunately, and I am thankful that I had the autonomy to make the decision that I did make. Um, but you know, as me also being a sexual assault survivor, I know that choices are not as black and white as we try to um, paint them out to be. Um, and so that definitely has led indirectly and directly to um, the work that I do today. Hmm. Now, we initially reported on the Supreme Court's draft majority opinion in early May. What's the latest with that story? So as of right now, um, and I do want to be known that abortion is still legal, mm-hmm. um, especially, all, um, especially in a, uh, South Carolina, but across the nation, it is legal as of right now. They have not officially handed down a decision, though we think that it is coming very soon um, and pending. Um, so that is the waiting game at this point, but we're not waiting on our heels. We are, are, are really getting down and dirty and, and embracing for a fight because it will be one. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier um, sexual assault, and I don't mean to trigger any listeners. Um, so trigger warning. What are some of the other reasons that a woman might want to have an abortion? Well, I, I think that is entirely up to the individual. So I would hate to to paint, um, you know, a broad picture because I do feel like um, there are endless and an infinite number of uh, reasons that are valid. Um, but the re- uh, some of the the reasons that I've seen or what has been told was, hey, um, some some women or some people have just become mothers themselves mm. um, and they find themselves pregnant again. Um, I know for for me, I almost died even at 19, fairly healthy. Um, I almost died in childbirth and at 27, almost 28 today, I'm still kind of scared because it, in the event that I choose to have another child, uh, that can wipe me out of here. Um, and so there's the Black maternal health issue as well. They, of course, there's um, poverty is in play. Um, and the work that I've done as a victim service provider in the past and currently, I see a lot of women trapped in abusive situations because they did not have autonomy over their bodies. So like I said, there's so many reasons um, and it's not as simple um, as I think a lot of people try to make it out to be. It is a decision, a heavy decision that um, so many people make and, and keep making because right now that is their right to do so. And unfortunately, that right is in jeopardy. Sure, sure. I appreciate the uh, the answer there. And I, I realize that, you know, I'm a man, uh, of mm-hmm. course, and that this is a subject that um, is really a woman's subject. Um, and yet it it warrants at least a conversation. And so we have guests like you on to kind of paint the picture for for all of us, for, for the entirety of, of Black folks. Um, I realize going into this next question that I have no authority to speak on it. So it genuinely is a question. And 
though we've spoken about this in the past on this show, the intention, of course, was to just kind of bring some light to certain issues. Now, you mentioned Black maternal health, um, which, again, is something that we've discussed on the show um, a few times now. Are there any disparities with respect to abortions or abortion accessibility for Black women specifically? Yes, specifically, I don't have a number right in front of me, but I can definitely tell um, there are disparities Everything is so in, interconnected, um, and there are disparities on access to healthcare. Period, abortion included. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, especially in the Charleston and where I live, um, there's disparities in pay, and we all know this. Um, and where people who look like me are, chances are, for a lot of people, they might not be making the same as their counterparts. Okay. And then there is, um, thanks to gentrification, um, which is as being Gullah that is something that is very important to me, that there is logistical issues when it comes to accessing um, abortion healthcare um, because of just plain old geographics. There's okay. three abortion um, clinics in um, the state of South Carolina, three, uh, two of which are Planned Parenthood. And there are issues of availability. Can you, you know, you can go down many of streets and there's three of the same type of provider, you know, providing the same services just in one building. But for abortion, it's spread out across a whole state. And so many people have to travel, take off, time from work, luck, hopefully you're getting paid time off or you have to find money um, for childcare, you have to find the money to pay out of pocket for abortion care, abortion care. And it's, it's like this never ending, you know, um, I hate to say game, but it, it does feel like it, that there are intentional um, barriers in place for women, but unfortunately, like, Black women and Latinx women and indigenous um, women, they are targeted and they get the brunt of the situation. Sure. Okay. So, you know, you, you kind of described it a bit, but let's imagine what it could look like in the future. So what's it like for a woman who wants to come in and get an abortion today versus what would it be like if uh, Roe v. Wade is, is stricken down? So in the state of South Carolina, Today, their abortion, of course, is still legal. They can make an appointment. There may be um, wait times and everything, uh, which isn't new. But if in the event that it is stricken down, there will be uh, because we still have uh, right now we have a six week ban, abortion ban on um, our books, on our in our laws. But it's not um, enforced because Roe v. Wade is still intact. If it is, then that will become into law. But legislators um, right now are working to um, end it. They're going after a total ban for abortion. Um, And luckily, we have some champions that really care about women's rights and bodily autonomy Mm -hmm. there to fight. But um, the numbers, I will say, it, it doesn't seem as if it's in our favor. I cannot say this enough. I cannot stress this enough that abortion is still legal in the event that it's not. That means um, if they do not change or make an abortion man more um, uh, strict, 
it would be six weeks. You know, you would have to be in six weeks of gestation. And, and a lot of people don't realize that only means two weeks after a late period, if you get in a period at all, because of course, so many people are irregular. Um, and so it's really difficult, um, but we but we are here to to really make sure that people have rights and access and the funds. There are so many abortion funds across the um, nation that are doing work to make sure people have the money to actually receive care. And we will make my job does not end. If anything, it gets a lot harder and I work a lot harder to make sure people still have freedom. You know, one of the things that I never really understood is why. You know, why are legislators wanting to modify abortion laws and put further restrictions on abortion access? I mean, do you have any idea what the motivation is? Speaking as a black woman, I think it's to further white supremacy. Mm. Um, and that is just speaking bluntly. Mm-hmm. Um I heard a quote and I cannot say it verbatim, but when you control people's bodies, you can control communities. And that to me is very powerful. And that says a lot to why you can see um, that with certain uh, laws that they are targeting or um, Black women, Latinx women, Indigenous women. Um, And to me, that just goes to show that you control communities. And that is the quest, especially in this state. They say it's, you know, because of their religion. And I am not to invalidate anyone's religion, but the same um, cases that can be heard or the same the same cases that they are making when it comes to the death penalty. They don't make those cases. It's also justified, but and I want that's a whole another conversation. But to me, it's it seems as a farce or a, a cop out when people say that because my religion um, says X, Y, and Z, then there, that also means that you should adhere to it. But I, but I was under the impression that we lived in a nation of religious freedom as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying, I don't think it's a it's another conversation entirely. I think it's the very conversation we're having. I'd like to add on to that, if I may. Mm-hmm. There is and has been, you know, in my in my research into this so far, a sort of moral face. It's hidden behind this sort of pseudo morality. You know, as you mentioned, you know, religious um, ideals and you know, my, my faith won't allow me to terminate a life and that sort of a thing, which if that were it, it would, you know, be understandable. But, you know, as you mentioned, we live in a, a nation with religious freedoms and there's a separation of church and state. There's a reason why we don't take our laws directly from the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise we would have a society akin to let's call it the Taliban, a society that actually does that. Now, to your point about white supremacy. You know, when I'm telling myself this story, I look at the numbers, you know, as, as we mentioned, um, black women get abortions at higher rates. We recognize, I think if, if we take it as, as fact, um, that we'll recognize that, you know, if you have children, especially if you have children younger, it might have some influence, might impact your mobility in terms of your future prospects because you have to care for your children. 
I, I, and the reason we can accept this as fact, at least I can, is because I remember reading that when the pill came out, women were able to enter into the workforce and become start their journey toward becoming the economic powerhouse, you know, as a group that they are now today. Um, not equal with men yet, but still, you know, earning more money. And that's because there were less children to care for. There was a lot more um, the capacity to go to school, um, the capacity to hold a career and so forth. Those things increased when the pill came out. And so I believe that there's a correlation with how many children you have the age at which you have your children, and of course, your prospects for what life may hold for you, and the economic resources that you can acquire um, in that time. And so when we look at that, and we take into account that Black women get abortions at higher rates than white women, it seems to your point that it's a very easy measure that you can hide <laughs> behind this so-called morality, um, legislated into law, and what you have is black women now with more children that they have to take care of, um, which limits their mobility in society. And then you have a further subjugated and oppressed group of people um, relative to white women and other women. And so I think that there, the case that you make, it, it, it makes itself if you take a step back and look at all the numbers. So I just wanted to uh, offer that because it certainly does feel like you're onto something there. Yeah, like, um, and I apologize that I don't have all the different statistics that I'm going to reference in front of me. However, let's just look at this. So, yes, if you look solely at the number um, of or the rate in which Black women receive abortions, okay, um, and, and I, I hear this all the time from uh, the right or, um, you know, pro-choice not pro-choice, pro-life, which isn't a thing for them. Um, but <laughs> um, but I hear that, and they, they constantly, especially since I'm a, a, a black face, that is what they they hammer down on. Oh, you know, they're they're trying to kill black babies, trigger warning, and, and all this stuff. Sure. But he, here's what doesn't make sense in my mind. If you just look at that number and not look at the number in which A, of which we're able to earn certain amounts of income or salary as opposed to other people, or look at the rate in which we're not getting married, or look at the rate in which we're victimized in, in, um, by sexual assault, or the rate in which we're victimized by domestic violence, which in South Carolina is extremely high. Mm. They don't ever bring up those numbers that that all and all those factors that could and do influence a woman's decision to terminate a pregnancy. So and, and even when it comes to the, the black maternal mortality rate, that's an, that's another one that is a, a topic of conversation right now. No one wants to ever look at those numbers and put two and two together. So I feel like it's wig, uh, willful ignorance at this point. Like it is. Yeah, and and I also want to refer to the legislator out of Louisiana, and I will not plug his name because he does not need free press. But him saying, and when someone brings up the um, or the maternal mortality rate in the United States, and especially in Louisiana, him saying, "Well, the maternal mortality rate is only um, high if you count." black women 
and I don't know about you, I don't know about listeners, but I, I always count black women and I always count on black women. Mm-hmm. So they is they cannot even hide their their racism at this point because in in a nation in which black women and the goat of all time, Serena Williams, can deal with problems such as um, black maternal health issues, and then they go into and they see the numbers in which black women are getting abortions, and then they was like, oh, let's let's outlaw it. To me, that is intentional. Mm-hmm. And and so it's crazy how they try to lean into this narrative that they're somehow saving black babies, a fetus, an embryo. I don't necessarily equate that to a baby, but they lean into that. But where are these same folks using that ideology and that that that's those statements when it comes down to when we are shot in the street for no reason? I don't see those people who are pro-life and pro-black life who are constantly throwing it in my face. I don't see them when it comes down to marching mm. when we're killed or or the mass incarcerations. I don't I just don't see it. So I know that is it has nothing to do with the goodness of their heart. <laughs> um you know it's it's funny because it, it seems like the argument makes itself. It's just a matter of whether or not folks choose to acknowledge it. And so um, I appreciate uh, the perspective. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings that frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year 
at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are here with Meredith Matthews, Planned Parenthood South Atlantic's community organizer and chairperson for Low Country Sexual Assault Response Team in Charleston, South Carolina, discussing the current attack on Roe versus Wade, abortion, and their impacts on the Black community. What are some potentially harmful scenarios that could come from criminalizing or restricting abortion options? This conversation is not about difference of ideology and beliefs. This is about bodies. Mm -hmm. This is about people's lives and their livelihoods. And those, that is what is at stake in this conversation. There, there will be, and I hate to put it bluntly, but there will be blood on the hands of politicians who infringe on people's rights. It simply it, it does not work. And, and quite honestly, when it comes to forced birth, because that's what abortion ban, bans are, for, forced births, I think about me, me specifically, me being a Black woman, I think about my ancestors. And I think about how they did not have the choice to have babies for their enslavers. And for the profit of, of their enslavers. And so I, it's, it's hard to narrow down all the, or pinpoint all the, the, the ramifications about what this will mean, but it will be, it's gonna be dangerous. What can we as individuals do to ensure abortion access is not further limited? You know, are there specific organizations we should be following or donating to or actions we can be taking within our local communities, anything like that? Well, I always tell people that everyone has a capability and everyone is an organizer. They just don't know it. You have the power to influence and to shape your community. So step one, I think that is important that we tell our stories. And, and if you've had an abortion or you received an abortion or know or your life is influenced in some way by the, the gift of having access to abortion, tell those stories and like let's break down the stigma because believe it or not, there are people that you love that have had an abortion. Mm. They may not have they quite honestly, the taboo. So it's, it might not be widely known. So it's important to tell stories. So two is 
when you tell those stories, talk to your friends about it, humanize the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, this is about people, not just beliefs. And so, uh, of course, humanize the issue. And three, of course, know about the abortion funds, know about um, the the providers. You can go on abortionprovider.org to find abortion care near you. Um, and even if uh, you are not in need of one, share that, share that um, link so that people who may need um, the an abortion can see it um, or contact your legislators. You know, um, that is very powerful and get all your friends to contact your uh, legislators and get those their friends to contact um, legislators. Hmm. And and just we need it needs to be like a, a wide reaching um, effort because it's going to be all hands on deck at this point. Like we I, I don't know if people, especially with me, I'm a millennial. I'm young. I think that we were complacent and don't. Um, and now we have to really fight to protect our, our, our liberty and our bodily autonomy. And, and also, um, know your community organizers, know the people, whether that be, um, black reproductive, um, orgs, um, or even, um, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood has their black organizing program, which is awesome. And know, um, of all the work that is going on and really engage in the political process and in, in, in the conversation. Sure. Sure. You know, you mentioned about discussing it to kind of minimize the stigma associated with it. One in four women has had an abortion or will have an abortion at some point in their life. And uh, so that means if you have three friends and you're a woman, then one of you, will experience that. And you may not know it because of the fact that it's not discussed as openly as say, getting your wisdom teeth pulled. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that to your point, yeah, there's, there's definitely something to be said about uh, discussing it. You know, of course our show producer here uh, and myself, we really believe that stories like these, especially stories that affect black women specifically need to be told. And, uh, you know, we do our best to, to bring light, to those uh, stories and, and have folks on such as yourself to help um, share them. So we definitely appreciate your time today and helping us toward that end. Uh, before we let you go, um, why not drop any social media, any websites, anything like that so folks can keep up with you and the work that you're doing? Okay, so um, you can actually follow um, uh, P- our Planned Parenthood and follow the work that we do. Um, specifically, it is at PPVSAT on Instagram and other handles or other platforms. You can follow me at, at um, Miss Mary Matt, M-I-S-S-M-E-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T on Instagram and Twitter. Very good. Well, thank you very much for your insight. Once again, our guest today is Meredith Matthews, Planned Parenthood South Atlantic's community organizer and chairperson for Low Country Sexual Assault Response Team in Charleston, South Carolina. And before I go, I'll leave you with this. Plain and simple, abortion is healthcare. Amnesty International reminds us that an abortion is a medical procedure that ends a pregnancy. It is a basic healthcare need for millions of women and girls who can become pregnant. Not uncommon and not to be stigmatized. Worldwide, an estimated one in four pregnancies will end in abortions each year. Regardless of what the law says, people will continue to have abortions. Criminalizing abortion doesn't stop abortion. 
it just makes it less safe. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.